0: Hey, I'm Steph. I'm a motivator, creator, small business owner, and educator. I am a lover of all things health, spirituality, inspiration, and business. These are just a few words to describe me, along with passion, grit, and resiliency. Regardless of what I'm up to, I am soul-driven to create a purpose-filled life and find the advantages in adversity, all while keeping a smile on my face. Soul Driven with Steph is a
1: podcast that will fill up your cup and leave you feeling empowered, inspired, and on fire as you listen to interviews and stories of other soul driven
0: and strong women that have overcome against all odds. This podcast was a calling on Steph's soul to serve, connect, and share stories of struggles and successes, all to create a community so that you know you're never alone. Grab a cup of coffee, get ready to learn laugh, and leave with wisdom and strategies to connect to your soul and get back in the driver's seat of your life today. Here's Steph. Welcome back to another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. I am so thrilled to be joined today by one of my dear friends, fellow entrepreneurs, and someone that's... We connected a couple years ago in the fitness industry, actually, and it's been really fun to be cheerleaders for each other in our businesses and in life. So welcome to the podcast, Ashley Alderson. Hi,
1: friend. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, of course. This is going to be so fun. And I just love hearing your story and your journey. And I love that you are very honest and transparent about all the highs and lows of business and life. So tell us a little bit about your backstory and really what led you into kind of the boutique industry that you are in now.
1: Absolutely. So um, I grew up in the fashion mecca of the world. North Dakota. (laughs) not exactly. (laughs) But I grew up on a ranch in North Dakota. And uh, from a very young age, I've always loved boutiques. I've loved discovering unique things. I've loved the ability to travel and just find cute stores in big cities and small towns and at rodeos and at fairs and everywhere in between. And for a long time, I found myself coming back to North Dakota going, man, I'd love to find something like this here. But Back then, there just really wasn't anything. I felt like boutiques were slower to come to the Midwest, slower to come to the North. They definitely were a Southern thing. Um, So I just kind of had always had this like side love of the unique. But I also, after college, after going to school for marketing um, and PR, I really loved small businesses. And I found myself working in economic development for about seven years. And that was during the heart of the oil boom in North Dakota. So I was lucky enough to work with, you know, small mom and pop businesses, getting started on main streets in small town, um, all the way up to working on larger economic issues from housing and just seeing economic development from more of a macro perspective and legislative perspective. And I always felt like, man, there's gotta be a way to marry these two passions of mine, business development, and also just these cool retailers, um, that were just starting, you know, to, to sell on social media and those sorts of things. So, um, when my, to fast forward, when my father passed away in North Dakota, when we were living there, my husband and I and our two small kids at the time decided it was time to have a little adventure and move to Wisconsin where my husband is originally from. Um this was a time where I was leaving this career in economic development that I absolutely adored um but it gave me some freedom to try something new. So this is the time where I thought all right, time to marry these two passions and I decided I was going to start an online shopping mall of boutiques. And I was going to find all these cool stores from all over the country, put them in this online shopping mall so people like me selfishly from the Midwest could find them and discover them. And what happened when we really started to put that into action and I built this platform and was talking to retailers all over the country, I realized that's not really what they needed. What they needed was they needed each other. They needed a community. They needed education. And so many retailers, I think like many small business owners first start out as stay-at-home moms or teachers or nurses, and they're transitioning into a secondary career and they really don't have a business background. And I thought, well, I do, I can help you with that. And I'm, I'm humble enough to tell you if there's something I don't know, and I can connect you to somebody who does. And so the hub really started to shift at that point in time. And, and this is over 10 years ago. I mean, the hub's been in existence for 10 years, but during that time, I really started to shift the platform to be really more of a community first and foremost, um, and an education platform second. So we really worked with the motto community over competition. I'll say back before it was cool, 10 years ago when nobody was talking about it and nobody was collaborating. And it was very cutthroat and competitive in this industry. And we just started to tear down some walls and bring people together and help them find the resources they need in their business. And, and now fast forward to today, it's, it's exploded. It's all over the world. It's in all 50 States and eight countries. And we serve about 55,000 stores today. Wow. So,
0: you know, (laughs) just in the blink of an eye, but we know that it's so much more than that, right? So you just celebrated 10 years. Yes, 10 years. 10 year anniversary. So that is super special. And, you know, you have taken this idea and this concept, and when it wasn't working, you decided to pivot to what you found to be the need. So filling that void. Okay, if this isn't actually what they need, then what do they need? And I mean, gosh, there's so many small businesses that need that, not only community, but the education that the Boutique Hub provides. And, Just the experiences, you know, I was able to enjoy one of your summits and just the energy of bringing people, like-minded people together in a room is something I don't think will
1: ever, ever go away or lose its flair. Yes, absolutely. You know, where I I just think a, a rising tide lifts all ships. And so whatever type of business you are, I don't even think it has to be you connecting with someone just like you. but. Just like-minded people, you can really do a lot to lift one another, lift one another up and support one another. And to your point, Steph, about pivoting, I think there's two things that's really important to note here um, about the pivot is number one, in school, they teach you that you have to have this perfect business plan and you have to have everything laid out and it's got to be perfect before you launch. I happen to think that's crap. And you need to just launch and you need to prove your concept with an MVP model, minimum viable product. You need to Mm -hmm. just figure out what do people want and then you can double down on there. And that is going to lead to a lot of pivots along the way. But the second thing I think you have to realize with that is pivot does not mean failure. Just because you started doing one thing and you decide to do another, you didn't fail at anything. You just found a better way to get from point A to point B along your purpose in life. And so I think so often as entrepreneurs, we get hung up on this idea of, gosh, if I do something different, people are going to think I failed at it. And no, that that's a lie that we're telling ourselves and we're really just holding ourselves back. So you got to lean into what you're being called to do when you're being called to do it. Yeah,
0: totally. And the imposter syndrome can feel so real in the moment when you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how it's going to work out, but you have, like you said, this nudge, this calling that you just follow it and see where it goes. And I love that. Um, Yeah. The concept of just like not getting in your own way. Like how many times do we self-sabotage ourselves? We have a great idea and then we overthink it and we start to overanalyze when we could have just jumped in and then kind of figured it out as you go, which I think there's a balance to, you know, doing the market research and also just
1: going for it, which is kind of what you did. Yeah, it's it's really, it is market research, right? I'm not saying don't go in willy nilly, but a lot of it's going to be following your gut too. And the numbers don't lie. If you can test something and you can prove a concept and prove it's scalable, then I think you have to really lean into that but you can't test something and see that it's not working and just continue to stay the same course repeatedly. That doesn't work either.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. So
1: did the Boutique Summit come before or after the membership? Mm, Good question. So when we first started um, and when we pivoted from this online shopping mall of boutiques, which truly was a membership, but not in the terms of what it is today, um, then our first product after that was our membership. And when we launched our membership, nobody was talking about memberships. It was not like it was before coaching became the wild west of what it is today. Mm -hmm. And before membership sites became this popular buzzword. Um, I just wanted to create this thing that people paid for monthly. I didn't even know it was called a membership. So that came first. Um, it exploded. We had about 300 members in our very first month and then grew from there. Um, the summit came about a year after our membership first started. Cool, because they probably connected
0: online and then wanted to meet in person. Yes. So what a cool way. And I really do think, I would love your take on this, but I really do think whether you have an online business or an online store, somehow finding a way for your clients and your people to still interact in person, even if it's once a year, mm. is so essential to continuing to you know provide an amazing experience for your business.
1: Yeah, I think that the most successful business owners I know, and I'm not just speaking in retail terms, but really of all types, the most successful businesses I know have built a sense of community around their brand. And so if you can leverage, whether it's user generated content or some type of meetup or collaboration, um, or just like some sort of moment that your customers share and can connect on, that's what makes brands really sticky in the long run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's cool, too, is like when you started the boutique hub probably was more like you. It's your business. And now it's evolved to it's the boutiques. It's the community that is the hub. Um, So you kind of have this cool transition from it starts out as you as the owner. And then it's like a handoff to you are the boutique hub as the member, which is really cool, too.
1: Yeah and it was a bit of a deliberate decision i will say that um when we first started there was a time where i mean coaching was a big thing so for a while this could have just been ashley alderson boutique coaching but we deliberately chose no we're going to lean all in on the boutique hub and i always felt like I wanted to build like a SEAL Team 6 around my business. So if I didn't know the answer, I had 10 other people who did mm-hmm. and you could rely on them. But I also think like we all have to have a mortality moment, right? Like we're not going to be in this forever. I wanted to build something that was going to have life and legs far beyond me. So that was a really intentional choice. And I hope, I hope I'm hope i going in the right direction that the Boutique Hub will always be the Boutique Hub, whether I'm there or not.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you were at our very first sister circle picnic that we did on the the deck of the Great River Landing. And, you know, when we started, it was just this small group of small business owners that we knew that we gathered together to share this idea with. And it was, you know, Catherine and Stephanie were the sister circle because we were the sisters. And now it's like, we're not the sister circle. All the members are the sister circle. So it's really cool to see how that, um, intentional kind of handover of this is the community can really play out in real life. So that's, yeah, I just, I love that. Um, what would you say is your biggest joy in your business in your life currently?
1: Oh gosh. Um, two different things. So in the business, my joy has always been, uh, just seeing a a flip switched in our members. So our business is built around the idea that if you change a business, you change someone's life and you change their family, and you change the community that they live in. So when I can see somebody come back and go, ding, 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 I had a light bulb moment. I went from this to that because I actually took the action. When you see someone take the action to me, like, oh, it's the like the purpose of what I do. So that's really joyful for me. Um, I would say, though, personally, my joy, it's very similar, but it's seeing that in my kids.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: seeing them honestly, seeing them kind of struggle with something and then kind of learn how to figure it out, how to take a life lesson and apply it. Like my kids right now, I've got three kids. um, They're in eighth grade, sixth grade, third grade. And so they're kind of at this really cool age where, you know, they're becoming young adults and becoming very independent. So to see them have like real world situations and try to navigate and problem solve, I'm really proud of them for taking action and figuring things out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to be the the educator, the teacher, the mentor, and have the students that are like, "Here, I did my homework, yeah, and it worked." <laughs> um, you're like, "Thank you for you know, yeah, yeah, showing that when you follow the process and you do the work, you put in the work, you get results, and it's not always immediate." I think something that you and I really relate on is just our our desire to put in the work and do what the hard work that needs to be done and. You know, how is that? How does that translate in your business and in life? Like you said, raising your kids in this society where instant gratification is what, you know, most people want. Yeah. So, how is that something well, you could talk about how you teach it to your kids, or just like how is that something that has really become like a core value for you?
1: Yeah, I think that instant gratification is just i mean i hate to say like the death of us but i kind of feel like it is you know i i think that we have as a society completely lost the ability to problem solve because we're so used to everything being right here and as business owners i mean same trap we feel like we should try something and have results absolutely tomorrow and that's that's just not the reality right like Um, that there's fruit in the struggle. And so I think that all of us, and we have to teach our kids this too, how to be comfortable being uncomfortable, how to be in it and be there for the long haul. Like, what does that actually feel like? So I'll just say like from a parenting perspective with the kids, um, this idea of natural consequences, like you made this choice, here's Mm -hmm. the natural consequence. You're going to have to struggle through it and figure it out rather than me, like trying to helicopter parent them and say, Oh my gosh, don't do that. You know, and, and be over the top of them all the time and protect them from everything. Same with our community. Like I can only give you so much and mm-hmm. then you have to make the choice and figure it out. So I, I think it's just being a comfortable ourselves being uncomfortable and then being able to model that to everybody that's around us. Cause our society's in trouble, in my opinion, with too much of this instant gratification. Yeah.
0: And being okay with it not working out or you know, the term I hate to use the term failure, but like being okay with failure and like accepting that as like part of the process. And when you fail, it means that you tried. And um like who are we to take that away from someone else too? You know, a lot of our lessons that we need to learn, whether it's in life or business, I really do think come from something not going the way that we hoped and how we decide to pick ourselves up and dust
1: ourselves off and keep moving forward. The way I look at it is if you're not winning, you're learning. You're Mm -hmm. never failing. There's no such thing as failing. You're just learning a lesson. So -hmm. if you're not winning, you're learning. We all need to know that.
0: Yeah. And how boring would it be if we only won all the time?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Would you share one of the biggest obstacles or challenges that you have
1: overcome in your business? Oh my gosh. I have so many. Uh I have 10 years of failures and (laughs) obstacles to look back on. Um, Well, one of them, you and I were recently talking about this. Um, Early on in the business, I dealt with some serious imposter syndrome. I knew what I wanted to build. I had a huge vision, but I didn't believe in my core. I was capable of building it. I thought, God, there's got to be somebody smarter than me to build this thing. There's got to be someone better than me to build this thing. Like maybe I should just share my idea with someone and they can help me build this thing. I didn't believe that I was capable. Now, part of that, and I'm going to pick on my Midwestern friends is I think sometimes we put ourselves down and we think like, Oh, people from the East coast or West coast, like they can do those sorts of things, but who are we in the Midwest to accomplish our dreams? Like, I don't know what it is with our culture, but we've definitely done that to ourselves myself included. So early on, I, in this business met a man on Twitter, which (laughs) I recommend you never meet a man on Twitter and go into business with them. It's a terrible idea, but I met this person and I thought, Oh, you know, he's got a similar idea to me and we're going to go into business together and it's all going to be great. Well, long story short, I honestly feel like it was almost me getting catfished. I was working with this person, built a relationship with them, for almost six months, like we merged our business ideas. He convinced me to change my business name to let him into all of my accounts and passwords and community groups and everything I was doing. And I kept saying, okay, where's the legal papers? We're going to merge our ideas. Well, they never came and never came and never came. And pretty soon my husband and I were like, okay, this is a serious issue. We need to put our foot down. And I contacted him about Christmas of that year and said, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Like this is not happening. I'm taking back the boutique hub onward. Like I, I don't like where this is headed. And immediately um, he blocked me from all of my Facebook groups, from my email list, from my uh, accounts, drained my accounts, the money that we did have in there. Um, Everything that I had worked for, for a number of years was like completely gone in that moment. And it was all because I had this stupid imposter syndrome thinking that someone else knew better than I did. And so What happened next in that moment, um, I remember like just laying on the couch for several days, crying, feeling like a total failure. And my husband, if you've ever had a chance, anyone listening to meet him and stuff, I know you've met him. Like he's an Mm. incredible person and he's been so supportive of every step of this journey. And he was like, you know, Ashley, he's like, you have every right to be mad. You have every right to be sad. You know, all the things you're going through, he's like, but you just need to decide what you want to do next and whatever you do, just know that I'm going to support you in it. And I'm like, well, okay. All I know how to do is fight. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to fight. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I may not be able to see the end of the staircase and where we're going, but I know that I have to take this next step to get there. And so I, I got up and I fought and I started to go back and I opened up an old Facebook group that I had. I started to just serve people for free for almost a year. Now, granted, my husband was working so he could support us during that time of, (laughs) of famine, I will call it. And me just, just trying to build something from total scratch. And, you know, as karma would have it, things came full circle and, uh, people saw this individual's true colors where, you know, he took other people's money and did some very similar things. And my community came back to me. And from that, I feel like, you know, the hub and our membership launched shortly after that and things blossomed, but man, when you think you're out, you're really not out. Like we have way more in our tank than we're capable of. And, And this imposter syndrome thing, like we just really have to be wary of that because it's not real. Any single one of us can accomplish the big dreams and big ideas we have. We just have to be willing to fight and to take the next step.
0: Yeah. Wow. I listening to share that story. I, just deeply resonated with it because you were saying how like, gosh, I haven't really shared this story yet. It's just kind of coming out. And um, it reminded me of my own experience with one of my landlords who ended up suing me and I was really young and I felt dumb and naive because he intentionally like didn't put things in writing and we went on a handshake for, you know, like just feeling like taken advantage of kind of for yes. your age or your gender and feeling that total imposter syndrome, because like, you know, from the Midwest, to I think we think everyone has good intentions. No one would ever treat yes. me that way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is not true. No. But um, a lot of times it takes those like really, I mean, rock bottom moments of realizing what we really want. Like, am I willing to fight for this dream? Because if I am, then I need to get up and I need to just, like you were saying, put one foot in front of the other, do one small action that's going to lead to the next to the next. And I think the hardest part is when you're going through some of that entrepreneurial trauma, you never feel like you can really talk about it with anyone, clients, other business owners, because of those emotions and you don't want to come off as unprofessional. Right. But like, there's a lot of wounds that we carry through our journey um, that sometimes
1: don't come out until years later. There are a lot of wounds. Yeah. And I I think it's so healthy to talk about it. Um, and to not be ashamed by it. I think the the more that I've shared stories like that with people, the more I hear, man, we all have been in those situations, you know, to some degree. So I think just owning that we don't always have it all figured out, that we're still learning as we go, but then making sure in a healthy way we can use those moments to fuel us. So there's a very special spot on my vision board for moments like that that continue to fuel me and drive me forward. I had a, a similar episode where, um, I was telling my business idea to a, a CEO of a large company. And he basically patted me on the head and said, well, good luck with your little project. <laughs> Literally use those words. And so I took those words and I put them on a piece of paper and they are still in the middle of my vision board, because just, if you don't think I can do it, or if you think this is little by any means, watch me and yes. it will just continue to fill my fire. Exactly. And I always say like,
0: If you don't want me to do something, tell me the opposite because I will prove you wrong. And I think that those experiences really do become a part of our story. You know, eventually we have to heal and move on from them. Um, But just having gratitude for those people and those players or characters in our life because they catapult us to different levels that we never thought we could go until we were feet over the fire got to figure it out. Um, yeah. and those are turning points. Those are like those pivots in our, in our life and our business that, um, take us in a whole new trajectory. And yeah. a lot of times we don't see that until, you know, hindsight, right? Cause when you're in it, the thick of it, it's not fun, but when you can come out on the other side, you often can connect the dots and the journey.
1: Yeah. Something good will come from every bad situation. If you choose to look for it for sure. Yes, absolutely.
0: So not only are you a powerhouse CEO (laughs) that I love to look up to, but also you're a mom of three, like you said. And I, I just know that that is a huge struggle that a lot of women face, especially as small business owners. So what advice would you give to women that want to not only continue to pursue their passion and have a career, whether that's a business or a career, but also be present for their families?
1: Yes. I love this question. I could talk about this for uh, another whole hour on its own (laughs) uh, because I've walked this trial by fire too. So something that I, I realized early on, and this has become a big staple of what I do today is just, it's this question of are you currently being the CEO of your business or are you being a hustling entrepreneur? Because that will affect everything that happens at work and at home. And I think when we all get started, when we first start the business, like we're, we're on this, like, I just have to make it work track and we're hustling. Right. And we are entrepreneurs. We're trying to figure it out and there's nothing wrong with being in that stage. And you're, you're just trying to like jam things together in the time that you do have to prove your concept. And that's fine. But at some point, especially as a mom, then you have to move out of that stage and to find more process and to set more boundaries so that you can run your business more like a CEO, um, so that you can have space to also be the wife and the mom and the friend and the sister that you are to those around you. So, um, for me, just simply by facing burnout and struggling relationships at home, um, I had to learn how to set some real boundaries in order to become a CEO. So. Things like, when do I shut off work and not pick it back up again? Um, what's my boundary around saying yes to things? I literally for a while in my life had to practice saying no. I had to practice every week looking at my calendar and finding one thing that I could turn away. Even though I've already said yes to it, I I had to go in and like pluck my calendar because it took so much time to figure that out. I also had to figure out a lot of systems around just how do I schedule my weeks and understanding what is an income generating activity as a small business owner? And what is that $100 an hour job for me as a CEO versus the $10 an hour job? So yes, can I clean the toilets? Absolutely. Do I think mm-hmm. you as a leader should demonstrate that you can clean toilets with the best of them? You you sure should. But is that a smart use of your time? Absolutely not. So where can you start to delegate and elevate? So again, you can move from being an entrepreneur to a CEO. So I, I feel like this is an evolution over time for me to to shed some responsibility and to build a team um, to take some of the investment and, and rebuild it back into payroll so that I can build a support system around me so that I have time today to be home and present with my kids more often um, and not to allow myself to feel guilt when I'm missing something at work or when I'm missing something at home. Like I have to be so secure on the inside to know I'm doing the best I can in both places. I've set up systems to support me in both places. And now I need to find joy in the present moment that I'm experiencing with my family and and not let guilt rob that from me. And that's Mm -hmm. tough as a parent and as a business owner, but I'm telling you it's possible big Mm -hmm. time. Um because I think I'm your biggest hype girl for the four part to do list. <laughs>
0: Will yeah. you tell us about this how this oh came gosh. to be and just like yeah. give us a little a little
1: snippet on on the four part yeah. to do list. You're such a good friend. Thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> that really the four part to do list was something I came up with when I first was battling this. My kids were still really young at that point. Jade was actually a newborn baby. I mean, she was falling asleep on the countertop in my arm and I had one hand on my laptop. Like it was a, it was a moment for a long time uh, trying to balance all this. And so I felt like there had to be a better way. So I came up with this strategy called the four part to-do list. Um, And this is still how I set up every single week. So list number one is what are the things that I have to do in my business every single week, no matter what? So non-negotiables, um, it's marketing, it's social media, it's working with vendors, it's doing photo shoots, it's certain meetings. Um, it's a date with my numbers and my financials. You (laughs) cannot be an ostrich on that one. I'm warning you. Um, those things are non-negotiables for me. So every week that just is list number one, and I'll tell you what to do with it in just a minute. List number two is okay. This week specifically, what is the 20% of my list? That's going to get me 80% of the results what are the income generating activities? Like what is the most important thing I focus on this week? And now this cannot be a running to do list. This can't be like take a shower and you cross it (laughs) off the list. You know, this is like the, the big stuff. And it's typically like three to 10 things. No more than that. List number three. Is my later list. So, what can I do next week, next month, next year? Uh, it's the idea that I get it to in the morning and I jot it down in my phone so that I can put it on this list. I typically love to take this list and organize it in Trello and break it out by weeks and months and quarters. Uh, and then, list number four this is the most important if you're struggling with being an entrepreneur and you're not yet a CEO. Um, and that is your outsource list or your say no to list. So, every week, Where do you need help? What can you outsource? And what can you say no to? So when you have these four lists, here's what you do next. The first list, you look at your calendar and everyone has a different relationship. I'll say with time blocking, some people can be very detailed with time blocking. I personally hate rules. Uh, (laughs) I hate rules. So the idea that I'm going to have structure every hour of the day scares me and I will break the rule every time. So instead what I do is I have a theme day. So I know that list number one, those items all get broken up into days of the week. So Monday is the day I really focus on marketing. Tuesday's the day I really work on like team things, financial things. Wednesday's the day I work with clients and coaching and content and so on. So my week has themes. The second thing I do with list number one, and this moves into list number two, when I look at my calendar is I, I ask myself, when am I most productive? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's eight to 10 in the morning. Those are like my, my shiniest hours where I can get stuff done. So that's my tiger time. And I block it off my calendar. There's no meetings. It is only there for me to accomplish everything on list number two every morning. So it's tiger time. Because if you try to book a meeting with me between those hours, I'll bite your arms off. (laughs) I I can't have it. It's mine. So list number two, that's where I accomplish it. Every week is in Tiger time. Um, List number three, like I said, goes to Trello and we can come back to it next week when we reset our lists. And then list number four, that's your challenge. The question on list number four is, are you being the bottleneck of your business? Are, Are you the one that's standing in the way of really your business's growth? Are you the one stressing yourself out? because you're, you're holding yourself back. So where do I need to say no to things? And where do I need to ask for help so that I can delegate, elevate, and really become a CEO? So that list, like you said, it's, it's tear offs. Um, we develop them, we sell them. Uh, I'm happy to give you the website. We also built day planners, um, for entrepreneurs and for business owners to help them stay on track with these things as well. And also keep all of their business tracking all together with their day planner. And now it's also together with a content planner as well for social media.
0: Yeah, I love that. So you have awesome products to help businesses not only track data, but to stay in on top of things and having these tools for time management, which anyone can use. You don't have to be a business owner to do the four-part to-do list, but Absolutely. I do the same thing with designated days because... I always joke. I'm like, I'm a Sagittarius. I cannot do time blocking. <laughs> like, freedom is like one of my biggest core values, <laughs> like looking at a schedule being like, this is my work time, you know, whatever <laughs> hour to hour just yeah. gives me the hive. So, but I agree designated days helps me because then I'm focused on this similar tasks in the day and I'm not yeah. like hopping around doing a million things. So I love that. What yes. are you seeing as current challenges facing not just boutiques, but small business owners in general? And what are some action steps that you would give to help them overcome?
1: I am really deep in this issue right now, talking to so many business owners. I think it's it's not just retailers and boutiques in my industry. It's every small business owner. And the, the issue really is burnout. I think that surviving COVID and the regulations on businesses during that time and trying to figure out what our next move was going to be. And just, you know, for some businesses, there was record setting years after that. For Mm -hmm. some, it was record setting drought and it was struggle. (laughs) Uh, No matter what side of the coin you were on, like, you know, fitness industry, man, that's tough. Yeah. No matter what side of the coin you were on, I think we all dealt with so much uncertainty that now we've gotten to this point and we're asking like, what is normal? what should my business look like? I have tried all these different things and I'm tired and I'm burnt to Mm. a crisp. So the way I look at it, I think there's kind of three different types of burnout people are facing and they need to just ask like, what one am I in? So the first is like hustle burnout. Mm. So I think hustle burnout is like, you're a new business owner and you're hustling to figure it out or your business all of a sudden is scaling really fast. And that also is hustle yeah. burnout, and you're like, ah, I'm being pulled in ten thousand directions. How do I keep up? This is a great problem to have, but it sucks. Yeah. So totally. there's hustle burnout, and a lot of times hustle burnout, you can resolve that with just better systems and processes, mm-hmm. and just addressing the root inside of your business, um, and managing your time, and asking for help. Like there's there's mm-hmm. things you can really do with that. But the other two types of burnout, I think are a little bit different. So the second one I look at is just industry fatigue. Like I've been in this industry for a long time. I've Mm. weathered a lot of storms. I'm just tired. I'm not in love with what I'm doing anymore. I'm trying to find my spark again. I just don't know where it is. So that's a, that's a real thing. I think a lot of people are facing right now. And then the third type of uh, burnout is I think achievement addiction. And if I'm an Enneagram three. So if there's any <laughs> same there, <laughs> uh, this is a really, really tough pill to swallow. But I do believe that many of us are addicted to achievement, just like people are addicted to drugs and alcohol. We yeah. are constantly chasing the next high of you know, launching a book and launching a course and getting a million dollars in sales or whatever the number is gonna be. Um, so for both industry fatigue and um, achievement addiction, I think the, the fix for that really is internal. Like you really have to go in and ask yourself, like, why am I addicted to these things? And where is this pressure coming from? Is it a fear of failure? Is it fear of other people's opinions? Is it a a financial mindset that I haven't addressed? Like what's happening inside of me? That's leading to these external feelings. Have I decided that I'm just not going to, and be happy until x happens and i've not allowed myself to really fall in love more with the process than the product and the outcome. so i think there's there's just some things in self-care we can do, you yeah. know, exercise and sleep and taking time off, all of that's great, but some of that kind of creates a yo-yo too of okay, i'm hustling 110%, i'm all in, and then all of a sudden i go full on into self-care mode and i cut way back. Well, then all of a sudden I have guilt and shame Mm -hmm. that is now going to launch me back into the 110% thing. And I'm just now on this hamster wheel or this yo-yo back and forth. So again, there's external things we can do, systems, processes, taking care of our minds and our bodies, but beyond everything, again, it's addressing the internal issue of where the burnout's coming from in the first place and the belief systems about ourselves that we have to change and understanding what our worth is coming from. What is our purpose on this earth? beyond anything else. Who am I without the achievement? Who am I without this business that comes first? And I think that has to fix the majority of the issues. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love that you've kind of identified
0: these three different things because I mean, I can even see a little bit of myself in all of these. <laughs> <laughs> right. Being in an industry for 10 years, feeling like I've hustled through COVID and it was like working overtime. And then yeah, the achievement addiction. And I think that the shiny object syndrome is a real thing. And, you know, yeah. a lot of times it's like, yeah, we're chasing the next big thing because it brings all this excitement and new and like we're not content with just like stability, right? Which is what we should really be going for as business owners is stability. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like social media has told us that stability is not good enough. Not fun.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It, it, we are messed up. It's not jazzy. Um, my mentor always says, uh, entrepreneurs are addicted to chaos. Like, If things get too good, we better, you know, throw some chaos in there to stir things up a little bit. So it's kind of funny because I do think all of those things, especially the last two you said, really do come down, like you said, to the inner work it's the, um, the self-work it's the introspection it's, um, I'm reading, I just finished the book, the big leap. And I keep talking about it because it's like the self-sabotage that we create when things actually do start to maybe slow down or feel good. Um, is like, we feel like we're so not used to it. Like, think of what we just went through, like you said, with COVID and all the COVA COVID and all the trauma. <laughs> um, it's like, as soon as things start to, you know, get a little bit less chaotic. We think that something's wrong and yeah. our nervous system is addicted to, you know, all the the stressors and the chaos too. So it's really just like a total mind body issue um, yeah. because we have only really lived in this
1: state of survival mode. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't know that a lot of people are really talking about this in depth yet. Like, I think everyone's just trying to figure out what, planet are we on? Um, (laughs) so there's a lot of work to be done here. And I think there's more people battling this than we, than we really realize.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's really why community is so important, whether it's yes. a small business community, a health and wellness community, a church community, a, you know, Absolutely. get together and play a sport community. Like, I really do think the people that are going to thrive moving forward from COVID are the ones that are coming out of their house and doing things with people and getting back together In community and not being behind the screen and just like completely isolated. We spend so much time alone, you know, working from home, being on our phone, like doing all this online stuff. It's not real genuine connection, um, like hanging out with someone in person. So I really think the, the mental health problems that we're seeing are a lot of times driven from this, this, um, like people retreating to their homes and not coming back out.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. It's all about community and relationships at the end of the day. And the cool part about it is if you are a business owner, what really makes your business successful relationships. So it's just going back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: Um, You speak a little bit on, well, you're very into like the data and the analytics behind your business, especially in the boutique industry, which I love. Um, And you've talked on AI and things. Um, I would be curious to know, how do you kind of tell your boutiques owners, how do you combat some of the technological advances in AI and technology in even your industry or beyond?
1: Oh man. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't look at it as combating the AI as much as I look at, are you willing to shift and be nimble and go where the, you know, where the industry is going to go? So I think there's a lot of things really scary about AI. I think we all do. We all agree. with yeah. that. Um, <laughs> way too many things, <laughs> but I think that we can lean into the, the opportunities that we have with things like chat GPT, for example, obviously there's all kinds of plugins using chat GPT that I think are wonderful. And I think that that's a, an opportunity that we have right now to help us save time. Um, I mean, it can write job descriptions for us, social content for us. It can proofread things for us. It can generate ideas for us, Um, create brainstorming lists and outlines, pros, cons. It helps um, social media content planning, image generation. I mean, there's just endless ways to use AI right now that are really cool, Um, but we just have to be careful that we don't get too stuck in our ways you know, of, of not wanting to try out another platform or try out another technology. So I know I battle that sometimes, but Mm -hmm. leaning into AI for that has been really helpful. Yeah. Well, obviously growth mindset is huge for you. Like
0: you just talked about learning new things. Um, so how do you continue to grow personally and professionally and what does that look like for you?
1: Ooh. Um, yeah. Growth mindset is huge for me. Um, just always looking for what is the next opportunity. And again, I don't, I try not to look at things as um, threats or challenges or weaknesses or failures as much as I say, like, what is the opportunity that's hidden in all of this chaos? So uh, for growth for me right now um, I wish I had more time. I just, I live vicariously through you as you read all of these amazing books. And then you tell me about them. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had more time for that really the stage of life that I'm in right now in terms of learning is I'm really trying to learn um, structures for businesses that are scaling. Uh, mm-hmm. We as a company, something that we've really leaned into in the last two years as our business has really scaled is a process called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, there's also several like large businesses in our community that oh. have gone through EOS that have um, implementers hired as well. So it's been fun just getting to be friends with them as some of those companies and bouncing our ideas back and forth. But what that's looked like is uh, as a leadership team in our company, everybody flies in. We meet every quarter. Um, our implementer comes in and meets with us every quarter as well. He comes in from Arizona and we walk through uh, the most important areas of our business to get traction. So we go through things like um, our scorecard and our KPIs, our accountability structures, um, our team accountability chart. We review our five-year vision and one-year plan and our quarterly rocks and how our team is all accountable to those rocks. Um, we review our marketing plans and we look at like SWOT analysis for for the industry and for our company and where we're going. We just try to build a lot of structure in what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm again not someone who loves a lot of structure. So this has been definitely a challenge for <laughs> me. But There's a gal on our team and you've met Beth on our team. Uh, yes. One day we were going through this and we were all kind of battling with this structure and Beth started clapping her hands and she was like, rules make it fun. Rules make it fun. <laughs> And we all just died. There's so much truth in that. Like The more rules and and structure you can build into your business, especially as you grow and you're hiring a lot of employees, it does make it fun because it takes the stress away. It takes the what ifs away. You know, everyone is pulling in the same direction. You're on an even playing field and you know, everyone knows what the end goal is and they're all running for it at full speed. So that's been a huge learning experience for me just to dive into that.
0: Yeah. I love that. Rules make it fun. I, yes. And I've always said like structure brings freedom. Like uh, I think you just have to know yourself well enough to know how much structure do you need for me? Like, like you, I don't want to time block my whole day or my whole week. I know what I need to get done and I have systems and structures around that, but I want to do them when I'm in that like zone yeah. of genius or creativity flow or whatever it is. Absolutely. So just knowing yourself really well to then build your own systems and structures that work for you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I love following your EOS journey because i of course I've read traction too. And I think that it's just a really cool system for even a solopreneur to implement. So if you're someone that's like, yes, I want to build and scale, eventually you don't have to start with a team, you know, you like you start as one person and yeah. then you slowly bring people into, into the journey. So for you as the CEO and probably the visionary, I'm just guessing, what do you see for the future for the hub and for you
1: personally? Oh, good question. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the visionary for sure. Um, where we go from here. So right now our focus is we've kind of built two like side verticals to what we're doing. Um, Our main customer is a a retailer, an e-commerce store, a social seller, um, a product-based business, or a wholesale business that manufactures and sells into retailers. So we've wanted to really expand and deep dive into more of the home and gift vertical, which we've really been in fashion and apparel and children's uh, primarily. We want to expand into home and gifts. That's a huge focus. And then the second huge focus is we built our own wholesale platform. So it's currently the only privately owned wholesale platform um, for our industry in the world. Everything else has got like mega VC investment money. So (laughs) I'm super proud of that. Um, It's very grassroots. Our our industry came together. Members of our community came together and helped us build this platform. So we're really working on growing and scaling that as well. Um, For me personally, though, I have I've been in this boutique space for so long. I also am really excited to step outside of it a little bit and create more of my own personal brand and speak on what does it take to build a company? What does it take to build memberships and courses? And um, what does it mean to be a professional speaker and deliver keynotes? Like all these skills that I've developed Uh along the way for my own business. I get asked a lot of times, like, hey, how do I do this in mine? Um, And I'm not a boutique owner. So I'm excited to start really delivering more of that type of content going forward because it, I, it's helpful. I've got all the lessons and failures I can share along the way. Well, I'll be the first one to sign up. <laughs> but
0: whenever you decide to, um, you know, put that out there, whether it's a course yeah. or a mastermind or something. Yeah. I would love to continue to learn from you um, because yeah, you have so much experience on just growing and scaling. And I love that you share all of the, the shiny and not so glamorous moments, which is the type of person that I want to learn from. So I love that. I love that you are leaning more into just your personal brand. And I think that's that's really fun and will be super fulfilling for you. And yeah. I love that the boutique is leaning more into gift and home because I think that's a huge kind of untapped area for what you offer in education. And I just love that you fill a void, like you built Hubventory because you saw a need. And I know that was a huge undertaking, not only on the tech side, probably, but just the support um, of like you said, the people and the vendors and you really are the hub really is this like central navigation point between the consumer and the store and the vendor, right? Like it's it's multiple different um, B2Bs. So really figuring out how you can best serve, which ultimately is what makes the industry better. And I think is your overarching goal of, you know, creating that positive impact. So I love that. My favorite question to ask is what are you most proud
1: of about yourself? Oh gosh. Uh, man, I am most proud of, um, I am most proud of my role as a mom and as a wife. I am most proud of the fact that I feel like I am a very positive um light in our home. Not always. I tell you what, I have my mom train wreck moments for sure. And my wife train wreck moments, but I'm really, I'm, I'm proud of the lessons that I bring to our home and the warmth that I bring to our home and building businesses is great and changing lives, like working with people individually is great. But at the end of the day, I just want to go home and be with my family. I love them so much. And I'm so excited about um, who they are as individuals and how I can support them too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And you just have a very calming energy. I just feel like anytime I'm around you, it's it's calming and you're just happy to be where you are and be present. So I really appreciate that about you. Before uh, I ask my final question, will you tell us a little bit about Pink Friday for the small business owners that are hearing this? How did it come about? How
1: can they partake? Oh, uh, yes, I would love to. So I have always been a huge fan, um, obviously in a product-based business, we know Black Friday weekend is the weekend where uh, historically how it got its name is a retailer went from running in the red all year to <laughs> finally getting into the black. It's the most profitable time of year um, for a small business and a product-based business. So I love Black Friday. I really love small business Saturday, but I've always yes. kind of had a beef with it. I've always felt like it was kind of an afterthought. Always. And I would really It's always an afterthought. I would really love it if consumers thought about shopping small first before black (laughs) Friday and before all of that chaos. And I also have always felt like, Um, This is really a time of year where a small business owner should be able to loudly and proudly tell their story of what does it mean to be a small business owner and what is a a day in the life of your shoes really like. And there should be a day of of media just dedicated to you. So a few years ago we came up with a concept of Pink Friday. It is always held the Friday before Black Friday. Um, In Wisconsin we have also the luxury of that being opening deer season as well. So (laughs) full whammy. Uh, Elsewhere in the country they don't really celebrate that like we do. (laughs) It's a day of community over competition where small business owners can collaborate with one another, no matter what type of business you are, um, where you can really tell your story of what it means to be a small business and really get to know your customers, build a sense of community around your brand, build relationships, collaborate with your local media outlets. That's a huge push. Mm -hmm. And again, just to spread that message to shop small first, not just now, but all year long. So locally um, in the La Crosse area, we have a bus that we bring around to small businesses, uh, boutique owners. We have different routes every year and all around the country, there's business owners and consumers doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. And anyone can partake. Um, you guys have some really awesome free resources on your website about it. Um, we participated when we had our brick and mortar studio the very first year i think or the second yeah. and it was so much fun and i just love the mission behind it so yeah keeping that going my very final question
1: is what drives your soul today and what do you get up for each morning um you know this is a really clear answer for me because i i'm a christian i'm a believer And since I was very young, when people would ask me things like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? I would say things like, I'm going to do something no one's ever done before. And I'm going to change people's lives. And I honestly feel like from an early age, God was like, bam, this is your path. This is your purpose on this earth, Ashley. And for whatever reason, I just went all in with that. I I heard him and I believed him. And so that still is my mission today. I'm doing something no one's ever done before, and I'm here to change people's lives and you know, it's really important for me. I feel like now more than ever, just to lean into the fact every morning, if I'm feeling burnt out or I don't want to go to work or I'm struggling with something. Sometimes I think we all try to carry too much on our shoulders and think we're in control of all of it. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's really beneficial when I could just take a step back and go, you know, this is not about me. This is about this bigger mission for my life that I know I'm fulfilling. And, and that's a Christ led mission for me. So that's what that's what feels me every day and is going to continue to feel me in the future. I love it. Well, tell us where we can
0: find you. If people want to continue to follow your journey and learn more about the
1: boutique hub. Absolutely. So the boutique is the hub literally <laughs> thing we do. You can find all of our resources, uh, the planner, four-part to-do list, all of that information there. Um, but I'd love to be your friend on Instagram. So it's Uh AJ Alderson on Instagram. Um, and that's where I share more of the, just the behind the scenes content and, um, what it's like to build a business like this and also what it's like to be a mom and have horses and animals and do all the other extracurriculars as well. Yes, I
0: love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey and wisdom with us today. Until next time, keep on following what drives your soul. One of my favorite places to shop for all of my workout needs is Willow and Grace Boutique. They have everything from the coziest Lululemon joggers to the cutest oversized sweatshirts, backpacks, scrunchies, jewelry, some amazing gifts that you can purchase for others, and literally everything in between. If you need something to up-level your wardrobe for your workouts or you're looking for great gifts, go check them out inside of Misty's Dance Unlimited in Onalaska. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it out with someone else who needs to hear this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you know when new episodes drop. And until next time, be sure to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul.